On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk shuts down rumors of a Model S and Model X redesign. One of the world's biggest superchargers is getting a massive upgrade, a reported shakeup at Tesla's autopilot team, plus Tesla's cranking up production in Fremont, and much more. Howdy friends, Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 206 of Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for July 14th, 2019. And it is just an absolutely packed Tesla Newsweek this week. To give you an idea, I work on the podcast every night of the week leading up to recording it late Friday night. I had a full show basically set by Tuesday night, and then I kept adding to it after that. That's how much stuff went on in the world of Tesla this week. So, uh, you know, none of it's the in, in, in huge in the megaton sense, like, you know, stop the presses, oh my goodness. But nevertheless, uh, there is a large quantity of interesting Tesla news stories to talk about. So let me get started with the first one, and that is this. Elon was very busy on Twitter. That's part of the reason I've got a lot to talk about, and very busy specifically about Tesla. You know, some weeks he doesn't say anything about Tesla. Some weeks he says a lot. This was a busy week, and he uh, probably the biggest thing out of everything he said is that he threw a very big bucket of cold water on any rumors of a Model S and or Model X redesign or even large-scale refresh. On Twitter, he replied to somebody that asked uh, about this topic, and Elon's saying, quote, There is no refreshed Model X or Model S coming, only a series of minor ongoing changes. The most significant change in the past few years was to use the high-efficiency Model 3 rear drive unit as an S or X front drive unit. That went into production three months ago, end quote. So he's talking about the Raven update that we saw very recently. And the big thing to take away from that, obviously, is that Elon did not have a lot of ambiguity there. There was there was not a lot to um, parse as far as like, did he mean this? Did he mean that? He was pretty darn clear. And even to follow up, just to reinforce, in case you're thinking, well, you know, Elon says a lot on Twitter, Sometimes it's exaggerated, sometimes this or that. Well, that same person that asked the question that Elon replied to there then asked, will we be seeing an interior revamp anytime soon, though? And Elon chose again to reply and, and simply this time said, no. So that's, that's about as straightforward as you can get. Now, the Model X, as I've said before, and you all know, is newer than the Model S by a pretty significant degree. I mean, the X effectively hit the market in 2016, even though it quote-unquote launched back on September 30th of 2015 with the Founders Series uh, models. So, you know, the, the X is a lot newer than the S. The S, obviously, as you well know, is from 2012. And then in the spring of 2016, the S did get a slight Re uh, refresh front on the exterior. Now, most people think of that refresh as just that front end. You know, they deleted the nose cone, sharpened up the front end, they tweaked the, uh, not the headlight shape, but the actual, like the, the daytime running light is different. 
in the in the refreshed Model S. But there actually are a few other little changes in there too. That I believe is when they introduce the slipstream wheels uh, as the default, if not right at that same time, right around that same time. But if you look at the back, like the the telltale way to know uh, if the Model S that you're looking at from the back is a, a classic design or the refresh design, look at the very bottom of the car uh, on on the uh, from the rear, and if there is a chrome accent piece around the bottom uh, in sort of the center area, kind of wrapping around. Then it's the classic piece that was deleted, and it was more of just a just sort of a, a streamlined uh, sort of air diffuser back there on the rear. So you can tell from the front and the rear, and so there were a few minor tweaks to the design, not just the nose cone, but the nose cone was the front end was the big thing. So I mean, for me, I don't really think the X needs any kind of aesthetic update yet. Being from just a few years old, it still, you know, looks pretty modern, pretty fresh, I think. And the S, certainly since its 2016 uh, refresh, definitely, I, I think the S is super sexy. In my humble opinion, I think the S is the sexiest car that Tesla is making now, uh, since the Roadster's not in production yet. But between the S3 and X, I still think uh, the S is just the most, it's it's just aggressive looking. Like, the 3 is beautiful. I love my Model 3. Um, it, I think it's a gorgeous car. But the the S just looks mean in a good way to me. But um, anyway, you know, I I got to think that Franz von Holzhausen, the, the chief designer at Tesla, he's got to be dying for a chance to take the, the interior of uh, both cars a lot further in particular, especially in the wake of, you know, the Model 3 really, really uh, went a different way and put a lot of people off at first, but as people have used the car, you know, you remember, I mean, when I was doing this podcast, let's see, well, three years ago now in summer of 2016, a lot of the talk was, oh man, you know, no instrument cluster, just a screen, like almost no buttons. That that just seems like it's not going to work. And you fast forward to to now, and certainly over the last couple of years since the three has been in production, you just don't hear that anymore. Like it's the the Model 3's interior design. I mean, sure, that you can complain about a, a lack of luxury appointments and other sort of accoutrement, but as far as the actual functionality and minimalism of the Model 3 interior, people love it. So, you know, an S and X version of that that would be uh, more luxurious could be would be really really interesting to see. But anyway, th- to wrap this particular story up, what this tells me, what this Elon Musk tweet says to me, is that Tesla is very very content to let the Model S and the Model X just keep doing their very steady, predictable eighty to a hundred thousand combined units per year, and they are they want to see the Model Three keep growing and soon the Model Y come in and be the high volume products that keep the company growing. So that's that that's what it says to me that they are not looking to the S and the X to be growth drivers. They're revenue drivers certainly and they're amazing cars. I'm not not discounting them in the slightest, but from a sort of financial perspective from a, a profit perspective that seems to be where uh, Tesla is content to have those cars be in the in the product family.
Next this week, we're just getting started. Uh, Teslas seem to still be on track to get more uh, detailed, shall we say, voice commands. And this comes via a Twitter exchange between Elon and me. So I made a totally just for fun tweet. I think I was, I was, I think it was on Sunday. I was just kind of sitting around. I made a fun tweet about the Roadster. I compared it to Kit from Knight Rider. I said, uh, you know, hey, both of them can drive themselves. Both of them come to you by themselves when they're summoned. Both of them can turbo boost via uh, the SpaceX package on the uh, <laughs> on the Roadster. And a, a, a fair number of the replies after after uh, Elon <laughs> replied to it and gave it a lot more of a signal boost, a lot of people were like, you can't turbo boost in an electric car. Like, guys, just just Google the SpaceX package and you'll know what I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, you know, again, just for fun, both of them, both Kit and the the Roadster drive out of the backs of semi-trucks. <laughs> so just, et cetera. And then, so for the last thing, I put a question mark and I said, but can it respond to voice commands? How about it, Elon? With a little, you know, winky face. Just again, this was totally for fun. I wasn't even expecting Elon to reply, but he did. He came back and he said, no problem. And then uh, the tweet took off from there. But it was, you know, this was just a fun little exchange. No hard news coming out of this. But to me, Elon replying there and saying no problem does suggest that the AI assistant that Elon talked about a long time ago, this must have been a couple of years ago now, maybe even two or three, that that seems to still be on the roadmap somewhere. Uh, at least that's what, that's what I'm hoping he means out of this. And, you know, odds are, since something like that would just be software, or at, at worst, it would use the full self-driving computer's uh, overhead computing power, because Tesla detailed uh, in, in extreme detail at the autonomy day how powerful that CPU is, that maybe, you know, it's, an AI assistant could be powered by some, some excess juice, some excess CPU cycles from the full self-driving computer, I got to figure that if and when that happens, it will come to the entire fleet. It will come to every single Tesla, or at least, at the very least, every single one with a full self-driving computer. So that was a fun little thing this week. Thought I would share that. Now, Elon was hardly done on Twitter. Kettleman City is going to be getting upgraded to V3 superchargers. Now, uh, Elon just saying, someone brought it up on Twitter, and Elon said, quote, Upgrading to 250 kilowatt soon. Now, Kettleman City, if you're not familiar, is one of the largest superchargers in the world. 40 stalls at this supercharger. And in my humble opinion, though I've hardly been to all of them, I think it's probably the coolest supercharger out of all, all of them. So it's, it's on the major Interstate 5 corridor between San Francisco and Los Angeles. As I mentioned, it's got 40 supercharger stalls, and what makes it extra cool is that it's got a private lounge that only Tesla owners can access. There is a code to get in the door, and it will pop up on your screen as you're approaching it uh, in your Tesla, so just random people that come by uh, can't get in unless you, you know, unless somebody lets them in. So it's a nice, just like, you know, Tesla-only place to relax on your on your trip while you charge up. It's got inside that lounge, if, if again, if you're not familiar with this place, 
It's got comfortable seating, a kid's play area. It's got very nice, clean restrooms in there. It's got a, a mini Tesla merch store. I bought the Kettleman City Supercharger t-shirt the last time I was there, and I like to wear that one proudly uh, on a regular basis. It's in my regular rotation. And there's a barista serving up coffee and caffeinated beverages. And then outside, they got a nice little outside area. They have cornhole boards set up to help pass the time. It's just a, it's a fantastic location. I love it. So the fact that this location is going to be getting upgraded to V3 is just awesome. The question about it remains whether all 40 stalls are going to get upgraded to V3 or if some of them will remain V2s that are that do 150 kilowatt. I bring that up because there are both of the currently existing V3 supercharging sites, Fremont and Hawthorne, not all of the stalls there at either of those are V3s. Some of them are V2s. I uh, asked Elon that very question on Twitter in reply, but I did not hear back, didn't get an answer from him that time. But um, regardless of whether or not all 40 get upgraded, or even hopefully at least like half of them, that they're just going to be able to move a whole lot more Teslas through there each and every day. I saw a picture on Reddit, I think this past week, of I believe it was from the 4th of July holiday weekend, and there was a line of about six cars or so uh, out out into the street at at Kettleman City at a 40-stall supercharger. So, you know, on those holiday weekends, those holiday periods, the superchargers can get super, super busy, even the biggest ones, as people, you know, travel and they want to take their Teslas because they're super fun to travel in and they're just a great way to go. So, you know, you might think, well, a 40-stall supercharger, that's the last place that Tesla should be upgrading to V3. But clearly, I mean, Kettleman City, it's its such a, uh, a hot spot between, you know, for traveling between San Francisco and LA that they need it. They clearly could need it because uh, if... If they can get half or all of those stalls upgraded, then then that'll just get rid of the lines, which would be uh, wonderful to see. Uh, so that uh, will be something to look for. We don't know what soon means. I mean, it's Elon, so you know whether that means next month or the end of the year or you know <laughs> sometime next year. Who knows? But uh, it would be it'll be great to see, regardless when that upgrade happens. Remember, I asked him in my interview. Where are you going to start with the V3 superchargers? And he said, sort of on the, the the big interstate travel site. So Kettleman City certainly fits that bill. Also, via Elon on Twitter, we got a full self-driving update. He says, quote, Intersections with complex traffic lights and shopping mall parking lots are the two biggest software challenges. Our developer branch already mostly works in these scenarios, but there's a massive effort required to get to 99.9999% safety. So, okay, that's maybe not an update on their progress per se, but it is an insight into the most difficult problems that they face. And though I very much admit I am not even 1% as smart as the engineers that Tesla has working on the full self-driving situation, if you'd have given me three guesses as to what the biggest challenges are for full self-driving, 
I probably would have said complex intersections. I, I'll be honest, I don't think I would have guessed shopping mall parking lots, if, I, if I'm being honest. But there are just the thing is, there are so many different kinds of intersections all over the country and all over the world with so many different rules about them. Just this week, I was in a five-way intersection that I've probably been in one at some point in my life, but I, I can't think of another one in the entire Bay Area. And if you Bay Area people are wondering, what are you, what are you talking about? It's the Veterans Boulevard exit on Highway 101 South in Redwood City. That spot right there, you come down off the ramp to a, f- a five-way light. And it's uh, it takes a real long time. <laughs> you sit there for a while at that light. So yeah, there's just there's so many different kinds of intersections, and and it's I what a what a challenge that is for them to uh, for Tesla to have to try and navigate. And by the way, the the hardware three upgrades, aka the full self driving computer upgrades, for those that have paid for it, have been given what seems like a slight delay, if you want to call it that, from from what Elon had previously said, because he. He had previously said a few times later this year, you know, Q4. Now he's saying end of Q4 most likely for when those hardware upgrades will happen in the cars. Now, remember, those upgrades are supposed to coincide with software actually being ready to go. Not necessarily all the software, but full self-driving features, city, you know, urban self-driving features on Tesla's design studio, they say, reading uh, stop signs, stop lights, navigating intersections. So we'll see about that. Uh, look, those will hopefully be uh, holiday presents for us to, to unwrap in our cars, so to speak. Now, on a related note, an exclusive from a website called theinformation.com details a shakeup that they report on the Tesla Autopilot team that according to their report has seen roughly 11 people or about 10% of the autopilot team leave Tesla in the past couple of months. Just going to read you a couple of excerpts here from their uh, very lengthy report. They say, quote, Several key Tesla engineering managers working on its autopilot semi-automated driving feature left the company after CEO Elon Musk told some employees he was unhappy with the progress in developing fully automated driving capabilities, according to one current and one former Tesla employee who have been involved in the effort. He is also upset that some team members have told him they can't meet the deadlines he has set for developing the technology, they said. Mr. Musk's unhappiness with the autopilot group appears to stem from difficulties it has had in adapting the software, which was designed to automatically steer Tesla vehicles on highways to work with city driving, according to the current and former Tesla employees. The autopilot team for some time has been trying to get the software to work in cities as part of the broader goal of achieving, quote, full self-driving. Mr. Musk has promised that Tesla will have, quote, fully self-driving capabilities by next year on city streets and highways. Mr. Musk, quote, has sold people on full autonomy, end quote, capabilities for Tesla vehicles within a year or so, and he wants to deliver on that, the employee said. On city streets, lane lines are sometimes absent or ill-defined compared to highways, posing problems for autopilot engineers working on upcoming versions of the software, said the current employee. And the system often doesn't know how to recognize parked cars because it's not a common feature of highway driving, this person said. Uh, If you want to read the rest of it, 
You can search that out on theinformation.com. Well, others, they did, the report does note that others that remain have been promoted to fill those leadership vacancies. And the people that spoke to theinformation.com noted that Tesla has plenty of advantages over their competitors in the race to achieve full self-driving as well. Now, personally, I, again, I can't imagine the magnitude of the problem that Tesla is trying to solve here. I'm sorry for repeating myself, but like actually stop and think about it. Now, I know, you know, maybe those, some of you that are engineers out there are, are breaking down <laughs> the problem in your head right now, as I say, stop and think about it. But for the rest of us that aren't engineers, it's just, a, it's just an incredible problem to solve. And, and we know that it's Elon's top priority. You know, he said that at the, I believe it was the shareholder meeting recently. And, and we've heard as well that he sits with the autopilot team on his uh, Tesla days when he's working at Tesla as opposed to SpaceX. So it's, I got to figure, you know, I don't want to talk out of school here, but I would figure that the autopilot team, it's probably a pretty high stress job, but also a super high reward situation uh, for that team. So best of luck to them. We, we are rooting for them and looking forward to seeing their progress as, uh, as 2019 draws on and uh, we head into 2020. Next up this week, Tesla is ramping up production, according to an internal company memo that was seen by Bloomberg. Bloomberg reports, quote, Tesla is getting ready to increase electric vehicle production, according to an internal email after achieving record deliveries in the second quarter. The company is, quote, making preparations to raise output at its auto plant in Fremont, California, Tesla's automotive president, Jerome Guillen, said in an email to employees on Tuesday. Guillen says, quote, while we can't be too specific in this email, I know you will be delighted with the upcoming developments. Again, he's speaking to the entire company here in a, in a company email. Guillen's message also said that the company, quote, hit new records in all production lines for output and efficiency in the most recent quarter, both in Fremont and in Nevada, and that, quote, quality is also reaching record highs. And then uh, a quick note from Jerome in this memo on Gigafactory 3, he says, quote, the stamping, body, paint, and general assembly lines in China are well underway and hitting records in both line design and fabrication the memo said. Well, um, I'm guessing that the reason Jerome can't be more specific in the email is because he and everybody at Tesla knows that any and all company-wide memos tend to get leaked. But anyway, uh, someone on Twitter asked me if I thought that this meant the Model Y could be gearing up a little earlier than expected. And while let me preface this by saying I have no internal sources to back up my gut feeling on this, my gut feeling is no, this is not Model Y related. Because remember, in my interview with Elon, he told me that they couldn't meaningfully produce the Model Y right now, even if they wanted to, due to battery supply constraints. You know, Gigafactory has to ramp up to get ready for the Model Y just as much as Fremont has to ramp up and get ready for the Model Y. So I think this, this ramping of production is simply speeding up Model 3 production at Fremont, uh, the lessons of which, of course, will no doubt carry over to the Model Y and hopefully speed that car's production ramp up next year so that it takes a much uh, shorter amount of time to go from 
a hundred cars a week to a thousand cars a week to three thousand cars a week to five thousand cars a week on the on the Model Y. Um, you know, I I would suspect that Tesla is probably looking to finally get up to seven thousand Model Threes per week in Fremont, uh, which had been a stated goal of Elon a while ago, and and then the thing is. If they can do that, and if they can ramp Gigafactory 3 in Shanghai up to 3,000 Model 3s per week by, you know, the end of this year, maybe early next, then they would finally hit that 10,000 Model 3 per week goal that Elon had aggressively set quite a while back now. So uh, all I can say here is go Tesla. I mean, good. it's great to see this. You know, this inspires confidence. When in both, you know, the, the, the production efficiency at the company and also demand of the cars, when you see them, them, uh, really ramping up parts orders and ramping up production like this, there's, there's nothing but good things coming out of this. Speaking of nothing but good things, how about the Model S being the ultimate car of the year? Motor Trend names the Model S, specifically the 2013 Model S as the ultimate car of the year. So what this was, was basically a face-off of, uh, every car of every car of the year, one per decade, and then picking a, a winner from all of those. So here's what Motor Trends said about the Model S. They said, quote, the 2010s aren't quite over yet, but when we sat down to pick which car of the year winner from this decade is most impactful, we quickly unanimously agreed upon the 2013 Model S, which was the car that, of course, won their car of the year unanimously at that time. Simply put, no car, let alone truck or sport utility vehicle, from the 2010s has had or will have both the cultural and vehicular impact of the big Tesla sedan. The Model S turned the automotive industry on end when it made its 2013 debut. Saying the Tesla Model S is a game changer is cliche, but no vehicle can do what the Model S can do as well as it does it. This is the vehicle that almost single-handedly made electric cars cool. More telling, even six years after the Model S went into production and won car of the year, there's still not a single electric car from another automaker that can go as far as the Model S, now up to 370 miles on the latest version, go as quick as the Model S, down to a shocking 2.3 seconds 0 to 60 on the P100D Ludicrous Plus, or challenge Tesla's sense of California cool. As it did in 2013, the Tesla Model S feels like the future, end quote. And then uh, when they named it the ultimate winner, they said, quote, the mere fact the Tesla Model S exists at all is a testament to innovation and entrepreneurship, the very qualities that once made the American automobile, uh, pardon me, the American automobile industry the largest, richest, and most powerful in the world. Uh, that the 11 judges unanimously voted the first vehicle designed from the wheels up by a fledgling automaker, the 2013 Motor Trend Car of the Year should be cause for celebration. America can still make things. Note, by the way, uh, as Daisy the Boxer Puppy drinks uh, behind me, if you're hearing something, I'm not sure if that'll pick up, but uh, that Motor Trend unanimously agreed on this pick as, the, as their 2010s decade nominee. That's pretty awesome. I mean, personally, I'd put the Model 3 up there as well because it, it basically also does 
everything right, and it is proving to be a huge catalyst for the electric vehicle movement. Though, of course, the Model 3 didn't even win Motor Trend's Car of the Year award. It lost out to the Alfa Romeo Giulia, which I'm not going to badmouth that car. I haven't driven it. I don't know it very well. I'm sure it's a great car. But yeah, I mean, I, I certainly can't argue with, with Motor Trend in that the Model S is clearly the more important car. And everything the Model 3 has has succeeded in, it has done so off of the back of the Model S. Now, if you're curious, by the way, the other finalists for this were the 1968 Pontiac GTO. That one's a little near and dear to my heart because that is a John DeLorean creation. The 1986 Mazda RX-7 from the 80s. From the 90s, the 1996 Dodge Caravan, basically the the, uh, start of the minivan uh, craze. The 2004 Toyota Prius, of course, it's hybrid technology and efficiency. 1955 Chevy Bel Air. 1949 Cadillac Series 62 Sedan Et. And 1972, representing the 70s, the Citroën SM. Well, you know, history already in over the last six, seven years has been very, very kind to the Model S, and deservedly so. And to their credit, Motor Trend has always been big fans, big supporters of the Model S. So uh, I just want to say to this, really, uh, congratulations to Tesla and to the Model S team. I mean, that is no small feat. This is a this is a automobile enthusiast magazine that's been around for decades. And you, you all know about the amount of scrutiny and uh, sometimes unfair FUD that, that gets spoken and written about with regard to Tesla. So, you know, Tesla came and, and rewrote the rule book. And for, you know, a major enthusiast automotive publication like Motor Trend to come out and say, hey, this is our ultimate car of the year award winner. I mean, that's saying something. That's not a, you know, it's not an insignificant thing. It's, it's great to see. We're starting to wind down here this week, I promise. It's already 30 minutes into the show. Uh, the Chadmo adapter for Model 3, finally available. I know a lot of people out there looking for it. Tesla Roddy reports, quote, Tesla is finally offering a Chadmo quick charge adapter for the Model 3 in its online store, giving Model 3 owners additional options for fast charging outside of the supercharger network and leverage the fast DC, pardon me, the vast DC charging uh, network. With this update, Tesla's existing lineup of vehicles, the SX and 3, are now all compatible with Chadmo's expansive network of chargers, end quote. Well, if you are in the market for a Chadmo adapter, if it is of use to you, be warned, it will cost you. It is a $450 adapter, or basically the price, almost the price of a high-power wall connector. But hey, if you need it, you know, I, you know it, I, over the life of the car, it could definitely pay for itself if you use a lot of those, uh, a lot of public chargers. A lot specifically, obviously, Chadmo chargers. So, um, you know, if you're on vacation somewhere, there's not a supercharger around, that could be uh, useful to you over time. But just wanted to send out that note for those of you who may have been waiting on a Chadmo adapter. Uh, One other quick thing, one more interesting Elon Musk Twitter exchange uh, with someone that appears uh, to have now gotten a new feature 
uh, added to the queue for our cars, maybe two features. A Twitter user asked, hey, Elon, can you add an I'm feeling lucky destination option and take the driver on a fun surprise adventure? And Elon replied to this and said, quote, would be cool if the car took you to a random fun place traveled to by other Tesla owners in the area. And then later he wrote, he replied again, adding done. I'm feeling lucky and I'm feeling, uh, and it's the, it's the emoji with the tongue sticking out, uh, with a smiley face emoji. <laughs> uh, so I'm feeling that, I guess like saucy, maybe would be, I don't know what to, to the technical name of that emoji is. Uh, Anyway, those two navigation buttons coming with the next software release. So just class, this is, you know, again, one of those things, classify it under the, the Tesla should be the most fun thing you ever have section of updates. That is the Elon Musk, you know, credo for Tesla. You hear it. It's the last thing you hear every week on this podcast. He said it before. There you go. He's uh, just living it, practicing it. Uh, One last thing before I move on to the Ride the Lightning Hotline and get to your calls, of which, as usual, there are plenty of good ones this week. This blew up, uh, and I don't quite know what to make of it, and I'll explain why in a second. So a Twitter user says, quote, any thoughts of adding Spotify to my car? And Elon replied and said, okay. So everybody ran with this, or a lot of people ran with this and said, yes, Spotify is coming to Tesla. And, you know, whether it's in replace, replaces the slacker, uh, streaming system that's in there now, or lives alongside it. Uh, now if you're in, if you're a European listener of mine and you're going, what? I already have Spotify. Uh, Europe already has it and they've always had it. So it's, it's gotta be some contractual thing where obviously when, when, like when Tesla launched the model S in 2012, they, must have signed some sort of long-term deal with Slacker to be the, you know, the exclusive streaming music provider in, in the Tesla vehicles. And you, if you remember, again, I, I, I'm, I don't mean to bring this, I'm not trying to bring up the Elon interview I did egotistically, I promise, but it just, the, the topics this week keep lending themselves to it. You know, I did ask him that question point blank, like, are we getting Spotify? And he, he got, you know, kind of, not to put this, I don't mean this in a negative way, but he got almost kind of defensive about it. He was like, he said, what's wrong with Slacker? And then he said, we have bigger fish to fry. Remember that? So, uh, you know, I don't know if that means now with, with this new reply that, that he's, uh, changed his, his tune on that. And they're going to go ahead and move forward with adding Spotify to the, you know, to the Tesla fleet outside of Europe. I'm not sure. Or, the other thing too is remember he didn't say yes we're doing it he just the person specifically asked you know you got to kind of be you got to look carefully with this stuff the the question was any thoughts of adding spotify to my car and elon said okay not yes not we're working on it now just okay so you know i'm not quite ready to call this a done deal and i would advise you if you're if you're super excited about the prospect of having Spotify built into your Tesla, just temper your expectations a little while until it's a done deal. So I will definitely keep an eye on this. And if more concrete developments come along, I will certainly pass them along 
on this podcast. All right, that is enough yammering from me. As I said, there was a ton to cover this week, but hang tight. I'm going to hear from you next in the Ride the Lightning hotline. Plenty of your awesome phone calls lined up, a lot to talk about right after this. Time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. It's where you guys call in with your Tesla questions, comments, and discussion topics. And if you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic, I encourage you, I welcome you, I invite you to send it my way. Go ahead and participate here. I love to hear from everybody. Two easy ways to do that. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record a question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can also leave hopefully a 90 second or less question on the Ride the Lightning hotline. You call in, it's a toll-free number, super easy. That number, 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And hey, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with Mark in San Diego, who has a Model Y question. Go ahead, Mark. Hello, Ryan. This is Mark from San Diego. I love the show. Thank you for all you do for the community. I had a question about the Model Y. Don't know if you know the answer, but I thought I'd try. My wife and I are wondering if it has a power lift gate rather than just a conventional lift gate. I can't seem to find any definitive answer online and wondered if you knew. Thank you. Bye. Well, Mark, according to one of the Tesla employees that was doing the test rides on the Model Y reveal night, it does. In fact, here, I found it. Take a listen to the audio clip from this particular test ride, courtesy of the YouTube channel i1Tesla. That's I, the number one Tesla. And also to the Reddit user uh, expect underscore 012. That's XP3CT underscore 012, uh, who posted the thread on Reddit that I was able to find this clip from. To the power lift gate? Yes, it will have a parallel game. So there you go. Pretty clear answer. Now, unfortunately, we can't take that as 100% fact. On my very own Model 3 test ride in 2016, Doug Field, who is no longer with the company, but uh, he told me, I had asked, he told me, uh, there was audio of it, I played it on episode 35, I believe that was, from the Model 3 event, told me that there would be a moonroof option on the Model 3, and that has never materialized. But I think the probability here, particularly with the confidence with which that Tesla employee said it, is uh, pretty high. I mean, a, a power lift gate is something that absolutely everybody that's buying a Model Y probably wants, uh, particularly families. So I, I think the probability is super good. Can't quite take it as gospel, but I think it's the odds are very, very much in your favor here. So uh, thank you so much, Mark. Next up, we've got Alex from Dallas. Go ahead, Alex. Hey, Ryan, this is Alex from Dallas. Love the show. I've got two questions for you. First is this morning I saw an article saying that Tesla is going to eventually stop selling cars at consumer prices because they estimate that once full self-driving is complete, they should be able to make 330 grand per car over the lifetime of the vehicle. So 
financially it makes sense don't sell it to somebody for 50k when you can make over 300k with it but i think that goes against what elon was saying that a tesla should be the most fun thing you could buy ever and that they just get converted into taxis instead of you know vehicles for enjoyment and so there's this lucky batch of people who were able to afford one before self-driving became fully functional and and they all just turned into taxis so wondering you know realistically if when you think that will happen and uh how bad it would affect prices and the other that makes me scared i want to get the three model three performance and now i feel like i got to do it there's this ticking time bomb before that happens so i'm wondering you're a performance owner can you feel the difference when you drive in a all-wheel drive dual motor which has i think about a second less on the zero to 60 time because i know i'm gonna be having my foot to the floor everywhere i go and so i want to know is that ten thousand dollars worth uh worth the money do you feel the difference in acceleration between those two models thanks Thank you for calling in, Alex. I want to shout out Marshall from Atlanta and Will from Boulder also called in on this topic. And uh, all of this is referring to a tweet from Elon in which he said, quote, to be clear, consumers will still be able to buy a Tesla, but the clearing price will rise significantly as a fully autonomous car that can function as a robo-taxi is several times more valuable than a non-autonomous car, end quote. Well, I think first of all here, it is going to be a long time before we get to that point. Second, I think it's more likely that the price of the full self-driving package will go up, but not necessarily the cars themselves. Uh, as you note, Alex, it flies in the face of the mission. Though Elon did agree with a follow-up assessment from the person or uh, people behind the Twitter account Disruption Research, which I should note follows me, so if you're out there listening right now, hello. Uh, but they, they wrote they wrote this, otherwise profits will end up going to scalpers and there will be a multi-year wait list. The right clearing price will help Tesla accelerate growth and mission by massively expanding capacity. And Elon replied with, exactly. So we'll see. But I again, I really think this is a long way away. And to your second question, I mean, we just got done hearing about how hard the autopilot, how hard the full self-driving problem is. So... I think this is a long way away. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I do think this is pretty far out in the future, farther than than this Twitter exchange uh, made it seem. Now, to your second question, Alex, about whether or not the P3D is worth it, uh, as always with these questions, let me caveat by saying I don't know what your financial situation is, but what I can tell you from my own experience, and I'm being, you know, to- obviously, why would I be anything but sincere here? Uh, there is not a single moment where I've ever regretted the extra money that I spent on the performance version. It's the car. It's a roller coaster on tap. That is the best way that I can describe the performance model three and any bad day can at least for a moment be instantly erased. If you, you know, again, just maybe just for a second, not saying it fixes all your problems, <laughs> not saying it's a total cure for your bad day, but just for a moment, you will feel better when you floor it at a safe opportunity. It just, it's so much fun. I can't overstate how much I love that car. So, uh, you know, I hey, you're, it's not my money, so I can tell you YOLO, right? Just, <laughs> you only live once, go for it. But in all seriousness, it it is a blast. 
uh, if you end up going for it, if that, you know, sort of financially works for you, I don't, I, I really don't think you'll regret it. So, uh, good luck in whichever way you go. Cause I mean, if you end up going with the, the regular dual motor, it's no slouch itself. It's got a really great of four, four something second, low four second, zero to 60 time. It is, it is pretty darn quick unto itself. I mean, the, the standard dual motor model three is has basically the same zero to 60 time as the original performance model s the original p85 so just for a little context there what was a hundred thousand dollar car the p85 in 2012 2013 2014 is now a basically what is it 50 55,000 or so for a you know a dual motor with with some options so that's that's how how far Tesla has come and how quickly they've they've gotten there. So you're you you've got a really good option either way. Tom from Houston is up next and uh, responding to oh, let's see no he wanted to talk about ah early access program. Go ahead, Tom. Hey Ryan, this is Tom from Houston calling. Uh, I'm a relatively new listener to your podcast and absolutely love it. I've probably listened to the last five episodes or so. Um, I think you do a fabulous job. I love your impartiality, and I uh, just think that it's it's fantastic. I've learned a lot and really enjoy it. Um, the other question that I had was with regard to uh, the beta testing program and the, I think they call it the early access program that Tesla has. How does uh, someone become a part of that, and is there a cost to it, and uh, is it worthwhile? I've been very, very curious um, to get my hands on this um, enhanced summon feature. I've been hearing about it for quite some time and understand from Elon that uh, this was to come out any time, and this was months ago, but of course, uh, jokingly, that is on Elon time, and uh, we know what that's like. So any uh, feedback you could provide on those two topics, uh, I would really appreciate it. And once again, Ryan, you're doing a great job of the podcast. Keep up the great work, and uh, thanks so much. I'm a uh, new, relatively new Model 3 owner. I got my car just at the tail end of 2018 uh, before the tax credit was uh, cut in half and absolutely love this car. It's the best car I've ever had. Drives like nothing else and uh, certainly makes me want to take the long way home wherever I go. Thanks, Ryan. Take care. Welcome to the podcast, Tom. Thanks so much for calling in. Well, I don't think Tesla has any kind of application process to be in the early access program. It is free, but I believe you either have to know somebody or just get invited. Now, I've seen the latter happen to people based on things like their geographic location and or their usage patterns. In other words, if if you can offer data that Tesla can use to help the fleet, you know, maybe you live somewhere, uh, you know, certain place with certain traffic patterns or or what have you, they might invite you to the program. Now, on the subject of enhanced summon, I'm actually not in the early access program myself, but I will say uh, that I heard from actually a couple people in the early access program, and both of them told me that Enhanced Summon is really improved over the initial early access release of it. Apparently, apparently it can now follow the painted grid lines in some parking lots now. Uh, and again, both, both people I talked to, for real, they were both really impressed by it, particularly in the context of comparing it to the previous early access releases of it. 
Thanks so much, Tom. Let's go to Ken in Canada, who's having some warning messages in his car that he was would like some help with. So, Ken, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. This is Ken from Canada. First time caller, and thanks for all your hard work putting together a fantastic podcast. We really enjoy the community that you've created and this uh, forum for all of us to engage with. My question for you, every time I start up and get ready to drive from my garage, I always have a pop-up warning and the audible tone saying auto steer not available. And I'm wondering, is there a way to silence that audible tone or that warning? Uh, every single day when getting ready to leave the garage, I always get the warning. And I'd like to mute it uh, or ignore it, but I'm wondering if there's another way to do so. Thanks very much. Ken, welcome to the show. Now, I presume that you don't actually have a problem with autopilot itself. If if I'm understanding you correctly, because I've actually seen this happen to me when I park in a certain spot in my office parking garage that has high walls next to the spot, like three foot high walls, it'll tell me visibility reduced and crews not available because the those the two repeater cameras on the fenders just see wall they don't they can't see any cars they can't see more than like you know two three feet whatever it is and so they'll give me those error messages so i presume that it must just be that in your garage your tesla can't see properly so it gives you that warning now unfortunately i don't believe there's any way to mute it i poked around in my own car menu and couldn't find a way to do so so uh, my apologies i wish i could have offer a better answer to you but I think you're stuck with this as a minor inconvenience. Russ from Charlotte is up next, commenting on the North Carolina dealership situation. Uh, remember that I had an uh, update on that last week, as well as the call from Christy last week about using Homelink remotely. So go ahead, Russ. Hi, Ryan. Russ here from Charlotte, North Carolina. Great news about the dealerships being opened up for North Carolina. That's a long time coming, long overdue. Glad to hear it. I also wanted to comment on Christie's comment about using the home link from a remote location. It's not the distance of the app or your mobile device from the uh, from your garage. It's the distance of your car. So if you happen to be away somewhere but your car is still near the home, you can use the home link to open your garage doors. I have all three of my garage doors connected to my home link. It's very convenient. It appears to me that the main one, the one that uh, gets opened when the car backs out of the garage or pulls in, the one that you designate as the default, that's the one that is triggered when you use the home link from the summon screen in your app. Just a little clarification there for you guys. It's, it's a car proximity, not app proximity, that gets the car door open. can come in pretty handy sometimes. Love the show. Great job. Thank you. Russ, thank you so much for your call and for that clarification. As you guys know, I am always happy to learn something new about Tesla and help spread that correct and new knowledge. I want to note Christoph from Germany also chimed in on the topic and mentioned that the Remote for Tesla app also has more functionality with this. 
i.e. apparently it can do Siri voice command shortcuts. So that's pretty cool. Thanks, Russ. Thanks, Kristoff. Uh, one more that I don't have a comment on, just always one of those just learning something new calls. John from Atlanta, also on the subject of using the home link remotely through the app. Go ahead, John. Hi, Ryan. This is John from Atlanta. I love your show. been listening to it for a couple months now. And I have a great tip responding to the caller from last week named Christy, who had a question regarding having multiple garage doors with the customized summon feature. So if you go under your settings under autopilot and hit customize summon, you are able to choose which door opens with the home link function on the mobile phone app by configuring use auto home link. So when you turn auto home link on, it allows you to choose between however many garage doors you have open. But if you turn it back off, it still retains that setting so that when you use it on your phone to open the garage door, it uses that setting within the settings on the car. So you are able to configure multiple garage doors on which one you are able to open. So hopefully you uh, can use this tip. And once again, thanks for doing all this. Bye. Thank you for that call, John. Next up is Roger in Fort Lauderdale responding to the, uh, the story last week that I was kind of annoyed with. Uh, regarding the acoustic vehicle alert system, the pedestrian noisemaker for electric vehicles. Roger, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, this is Roger from Fort Lauderdale. Wanted to make two comments based on your last podcast in reference to the acoustic vehicle alert system, where it mentioned um, cars going forward need to have a vehicle alert, anything under 17 miles an hour. Well, the first point I want to make is uh, what car generates that much noise under 17 miles an hour? Most cars are in idle mode and you can't hear them anyway. Secondly, why is this a problem now? Because there have been several hybrids out for many years like the, the Prius or any of the other hybrids where anything under 20 miles an hour, they're in battery mode and you can't hear them anyway. So I don't know why now it's an issue, but just uh, making the point. You know, Roger, your point is a good one. You mentioned hybrids running on battery mode at low speeds, which, of course, you're right about. But even most newer, pure ICE vehicles automatically shut the engine off when they're sitting in traffic. So even if they're moving, new engines are pretty darn quiet anyway. So I am 100% with you on this, which, by the way, now only exacerbates my annoyance at that EU law that requires EVs to sound like internal combustion engine cars with those pedestrian noisemakers. Oh, my goodness. Well, maybe some lawmakers over there will come to their senses before, uh, before too long. A couple of more calls this week, three of them, in fact. Uh, Kaz from San Diego is replying to Thomas, who had called in looking for comparisons, sort of apples-to-apples apples size comparisons to the Model Y. Here's Kaz with some help in that department. Hey, Ryan, Kaz in San Diego again, the Tesla truck fanatic. Calling in regards to Thomas from Maryland in episode 205 was asking about the current comparison to the real-world crossovers that we have now. And as my wife Maggie and I were heading up the 5 recently, I saw just that. The BMW X1 is what I would bet to be the twin of the Model Y that is currently rolling around. 
Um, very similar in size to the three, however a little bit taller, more cargo space as the Y will have. So I hope that helps out a little bit. And uh, being the truck fanatic, I was thinking back to quite a few of your episodes that had to do with this game-changing feature that Elon mentioned for the truck. And aside from crazy things like amphibious or being able to leap, I have an idea of what it might be. It may have been mentioned before, but an autonomous towing ability to be able to pull and park large loads like boats, fifth wheels, or any kind of substantial trailer, uh, that'd be extremely useful to anyone who knows the trucking world. And on top of that, I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a hidden fifth wheel hitch that's compartmentalized in the bed that maybe rises up when needed. Uh, a little food for thought. Love to hear everyone's thoughts. Thanks, Ryan. Have a good one. Thank you, Kaz. I appreciate that X4 mention because, as I said last week, I don't know the crossover world at all. So that is an excellent point of context for Thomas to have. I also love your pickup truck idea, by the way. Elon did indeed say that it would have some super cool stuff, and the feature that you mentioned could very much be seriously useful, particularly, I would think, in commercial applications. So thanks for your call. Two more calls. Dan from Eastern Iowa wants to talk Model S and used prices. Go ahead, Dan. Hey, Ryan. This is Dan from Eastern Iowa. Uh, This is my first time calling in. I've been listening for about six months and love the podcast. It's awesome. Um, So my first question is, do you think with the potential Model S and X refresh coming up, uh, you know, with the rumored over 400 miles of range in the S, that we'll see a drop in price of the older Model S's on the used market? For example, currently you can pick up a 2013 Model S for uh, we'll call it 28000 Um, Do you think we'll see any sort of significant drop in prices on those in the used market? Um, you know, with a, possibly an influx of more used Model S's as people upgrade to the new, better option. Uh, so curious about that. I think that would be great for the used market. Um, and then my second, uh, more of a comment, is uh, hopefully you, all your listeners can keep your fingers crossed for me as I am um, waiting to hear back on a position within Tesla as a, as a service technician. Um, so super excited about that. It's looking like things are good and going to happen for that. So basically a dream job. So I'm sure you guys can all understand that I'm super excited for that. So, uh, anyway, thanks for the podcast. Really appreciate it. All the work you do and, uh, looking forward to next week's episode. Thanks. Dan, first of all, I hope by now that you've already gotten offered the position at Tesla. Optimistically, I'm going to say that by the time you hear this versus when you when you sent the call in, that you did. So I certainly hope that some congratulations are in order. I tell you, in all honesty, every service tech that I've had the pleasure of meeting has been super awesome. And I can tell, I honestly, I can tell just from your voice that you sound like a good guy. I hope it works out great for you. Now, as for your question... Well, you heard me talk earlier on this uh, episode about Elon's tweet about the subject of redesigned Model S's, but uh, I think your point remains valid in the context of the Raven cars with that new suspension and the 370-mile range battery on on the long range. You know, the Raven update might not spur quite as many upgrades from existing Model S owners as a full-blown redesign would, but I imagine a decent number of people will move up just for the range. 
Not to mention the fact that if you remember the the Tesla has been offering, I'm not sure if they're still offering it, but they had there for a bit when the, the Ravens first came out, were offering a free ludicrous upgrade to existing Model S owners if they went ahead and bought a new Model S. So, you know, you might indeed start to see some of the prices on older Model S's go down in the used market. I would just keep an eye on Tesla's used inventory page if indeed you're shopping. Our last and certainly not least caller this week is Henry, uh, pardon me, Henry from Richmond, Virginia, and uh, got some bad news recently, and he's a little frustrated. See if I can help him out at all here. Henry, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, it's Henry from Richmond, Virginia. First time caller, been listening to the podcast for a few months now since I got my Model 3. When I bought my Model 3, I used a referral code from the customer service team for a 1,000 miles of free supercharging. And then when I went to take delivery, I overheard a guy placing a deposit for another Model 3, and he was looking for a referral code. I gave him mine and watched him use it for an additional 5,000 miles for each of us. But I've still yet to receive any free supercharging miles, and I pay for a few supercharger visits every week. My customer service advisor was very responsive when I brought it up with him and gave me the impression that this was a known issue and that he was working to get it resolved, but recently stopped responding. After contacting Tesla support many times, I was told that in Virginia, Tesla owners are not eligible to receive supercharging benefits, but can only give others free supercharging miles when they use my code. I'm confused as to why I was never told about this at the time of purchase and why I was promised free supercharging if that was never an option for Virginia residents. I was curious if you had ever heard of anyone in a similar predicament or if any of your listeners had any insight. Although supercharging is so cheap in comparison to gas prices, I feel shortchanged and nobody at Tesla seems concerned about correcting the issue. Thanks again for all the work you put into your podcast and keeping me entertained and up to date with Tesla news. I hope you have some insight for me. Thanks again. I'm very sorry to hear this, Henry. Unfortunately, when you go to tesla.com slash referral, it is spelled out there. Quote, program and awards are conditional on and subject to local laws and regulations. Unfortunately, Ohio and Virginia residents are not eligible for referral program awards. End quote. Should you have been told that? Yes, I think so. Uh, most likely, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here. I'm guessing the salesperson that you dealt with just didn't know. And while that's certainly no excuse, I'm not excusing it. I do. I, I doubt the person tried to maliciously hoodwink you. You know, I'm, I'm not sure if you have any recourse and I completely understand your frustration. I do hope that clears it up. I would try maybe pleading your case to, to Tesla one more time. Maybe there's, there's a little something they can do for you on that. But um, yeah, that is just one of those weird... Those weird, like, prize laws that are in the fine print of everything. And unfortunately, uh, you're on the, the wrong end of it this time. Well, that's it for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Thanks to all of you who called in. Again, please do call in. If you, if you want to talk uh, something with regard to Tesla, you've got a question, comment, some sort of discussion topic, I'd love to hear it. Give me a call. I told you how at the top of this segment. And we'll do some more of these calls next week. But for now, I'll be right back to wrap things up for you right after this. Well, 
Well, I guess the only really interesting thing I can tell you about from my Tesla adventures over the past week is the strange supercharging experience I had uh, earlier in the week. So I went on Sunday with about a little less than half battery at, uh, had a bad supercharging experience. I, I rolled up to the San Mateo Bridgepoint supercharger, which is at a Target, which is super nice because you can plug in and then you go get stuff at Target if you need it, if you got anything on your shopping list. And it, it was totally full, it was busy. I had to wait in line, which I've never had to do at that supercharger. I think it was about a, I was second in a line of what turned into three or four cars. But when I finally got a stall, I pulled in and I was only pulling 124 miles an hour and on 30 kilowatts. So that's less than half of what the urban superchargers can do. So that was, uh, you know, and there was nowhere I could go to try another stall. They were all full. So I ended up, I went into, went into Target. I got a couple things that I needed to kill some time, came out, and I was like, I'm not going to wait for this. <laughs> it's just like, it's, you know, why, why bother? So that was, uh, that's, that might be the only time I've ever left a supercharger without like getting a substantial amount of juice out of it. So that was kind of uh, frustrating, not frustrating, but a little disappointing, I guess. But interestingly, I came back to that supercharger, it's either the very, yeah, it was the very next day because I, I drove the car a bunch more from the half charge it was at. And I had, uh, I had left it, I'd purposely not charged it that night because I think I decided, oh, I'll just go supercharge uh, when I'm out again. And anyway, I went on, ended up at the same supercharger, San Mateo Bridgepoint at that Target. And this time there was uh, there were a few empty uh, spots including an empty B stall next to me. I was on an A and the B next to me was empty. And that time it was great. I got I was at about a I think eh, I was pretty low. I mean, I had a good I was maybe down to like 15 or 20% charge, so pretty low state of charge. And I got 550 miles per hour on 135 kilowatts. So that was great. That's that's what it should have been. Well, not not that exact number, but yeah, I mean that that time it was working just fine. So kind of strange. It wasn't you know extremely hot or anything else. So I don't know if it was just the the full load at the you know the entire supercharger, every stall being full or what. But that on the day before. Anyway, pro tip of the week. Let's hear from Mike in New Jersey who, uh, maybe not a pro tip so much as a word of caution. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? This is Mike from New Jersey calling in with a tip today. About a week ago, I purchased the uh, automatic trunk opener struts. Uh, You can get them from different places online. But what I failed to look at before installing was that as a precaution, you should put a towel or cardboard or something soft next to the glass that's right beside those struts when you're taking the old ones off. I kind of missed that, and when I was taking the uh, one side off, I accidentally knocked the strut metal into the glass that's kind of just exposed uh, there when you have the trunk open. And like many others, I've found out after the fact, um, I broke the uh, back piece of glass there. So to avoid some headaches, I know a lot of people are doing this with their Model 3s currently, Make sure you put a towel a few layers thick or something padded between that strut and that glass so that you don't make a mistake like I did. Um, If this helps just at least one person, then uh, it was worth it. So thanks. And I love the show. Thanks. Mike, I am sorry to hear about that mishap. 
I hope you got it fixed up, and I would be curious what you think of the automatic trunk opening kit now that you do have it. Drop me a line anytime if you feel like it. I'm, I'm kind of curious about that one. All right, uh, let me give a couple plugs here. First, for Immaculate Reflections, if you are in the market for awesome detailing work on your Tesla, and you either live in the Bay Area, or maybe you're taking delivery up here, or you're just going to be in the Bay Area, well, Immaculate Reflections will take excellent care of you, and they are currently offering $100 off any ceramic coating or paint protection film package. But if you step up to a full-body paint protection film over the whole car, it is $250 off. You can get in touch with Jeff at Immaculate Reflections to get on his schedule or ask him some questions, whatever you want to do. Check his website out at irdetailing.com. That is how to contact him. You can also see examples of his work on there or on Yelp or Instagram. On Yelp, he's yelp.com slash immaculate reflections. And on Instagram, his username is immaculate underscore reflections. Meanwhile, Abstract Ocean got all kinds of good Tesla goodies, accessories, meanwhile, uh, is what I'm talking about. Whether it's the, you know, uh, glass screen protectors for your Model 3, whether it's the uh, the wraps for, you know, center console, door, you know, the little uh, window switch, the glossy areas, etc. Whatever you want to do, they've got all kinds of great stuff, and they are still offering that 15% discount code for new customers. So pile everything you want in your cart, go to checkout and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST. That's all one word. RTL podcast at checkout. Get that 15% off of your first order. Uh, If you really enjoy the show, as I hope you do, and you feel like I have earned your support, because, you know, support does have to be earned. It is not simply given. It has to be earned. Uh, And I do my best to earn earn that support from you by being here week after week and putting my heart and soul into this thing. But... uh, the, the support is always optional, but if you do want to do it, I would love you to look at my Patreon page where you can find out more about how to support me and the various perks that are offered at the various support tiers. So that's all I'll say about it other than give you the website, which is patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can email me anytime teslapodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Same thing on Instagram. Uh, What else? Ah, the Jada wireless charging pad for your phone in the Model 3, as well as the Model 3 USB hub. If you want to get either or both of those, I sadly don't have a discount for you, but uh, I have a referral link. So if you, if you just plan to buy one, I would sincerely appreciate it if you would use the link I'm about to give you because Jada will toss a couple bucks my way for me having directed you to them. So uh, the link is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. Finally, I want to thank all the Patreon producers, the wonderful folks supporting me at the producer tier, which means they get the shout-out every week that I'm about to give them all now, plus the monthly bonus episode of all the extra Ride the Lightning hotline calls that I can't get to during the week, regular weekly shows, and they get early access to each week's episode as well. So that's everything that the producers get. So a big thanks to our uh, my newest Patreon producer, Kaz Barnes. Thank you so much, Kaz. 
as well as the rest of the group, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenschein, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Gabriel Salais, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Luxendary.com, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Josh, Jeremy, Jeremy Harris, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Rob Brewer, My Tesla Adventure, that's Eli Burton, thank you, Eli, Ron Lee, Larry Lynch, Lambert Lee, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Aaron Appleby, and Charlie Gillespie. Thank you all so very much. A reminder to everybody that if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, which is totally free, you do that through your preferred podcast provider, whether that's iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, which remember TuneIn is in your Tesla. You can listen to this car and access it directly through your car. I'm on Spotify, I'm on YouTube, no video on YouTube, but just the show goes there because a lot of people like to consume any and all of their media, video, audio, or both on YouTube, so you can find me on there. Uh, And that will about wrap it up. So for a very, very sleepy Daisy the Boxer puppy, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Thanks, as always, for giving me, oh, a good hour and whatever it is, 15 minutes of your time this week. It is not an insignificant amount of time. Uh, you know, you, you could do a lot of things with that hour, and I sincerely appreciate that you would spend it with me here on this podcast. So happy electric motoring, everybody, and I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. Mm. Make it's maximum fun.